All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Have you peed? Have you peed? Has everyone at the table peed? Just before we started the podcast. Just before I left my house. and I, I was going to say. Because you can ask your mom. I can drive from here to New York without needing to pee. I was just going to say, I know you went outside with Gypsy, and if you peed in the backyard with the dog. <laughs> I would have, but Connor was there. Good point. Yep. Thank you for being courteous. Anyway. All right. Welcome to something. Tell me something I didn't need to know. She doesn't even know the name. Tell me something I didn't need to know. It's about time you learned that. All right. It only took eight episodes? Oh, my gosh. I yeah. think this is seven. It might be. This is going to be, I don't know, yeah, seven. Episode seven? Ep- yeah, episode seven. I'm Andrew, slacking off today. And I am Mary. And we have a guest co-host today. Because I'm a slacker. And her name's either Johanna or Hannah. We're not really sure what she wants to be called today. Princess Fluffy Butt. You know, it really depends on the day and who you're asking as to what I'm called, but we'll go with Hannah. Okay. I like Princess Fluffy Butt. Okay. Well, welcome to our show, Hannah. Thanks for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How's your day going? You know, it's my day off, so it's actually it's been pretty quiet. Thanks for getting out of your pajamas. You didn't have to do that for us. Oh. Thanks well, for I putting on clothes in general, though. Just saying. Well, I'm kind of sad that I took my pajamas off. They had wine glasses on them. Oh, yeah. You could have worn those. Yeah. You'd have been okay. All right. Next time. Okay. Okay. All All right. Long, awkward silence. I know. I lost my whole train of thought. (laughs) 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 It happens frequently. It really, really does. I know. Um, So, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Appreciate your time that you're spending with us today. Um. Did you happen to see on the internet, there was this really cool, I think it was in Oregon, it's over Highway 80, they built a bridge for animals. I did see did it. It's see not that? the first one in the, in the, wor- in the. I know. Is yeah, it I know. It is, I think it's the first in the U.S. Is it an underwater bridge? No. No, it is no. not the first in the U.S. And it's in Oregon, so they still haven't fixed the whole whale problem then, huh? <laughs> I'm not sure that that bridge would have done the whale any good. No, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, there was a video that went along with that. That story, did you watch the video? I did. That was so cool. It is very neat to see the animals understanding how to use it. I was about to say, the exploding whale or animals, I'm, I'm just kind of lost now. So I watched the exploding whale. That's awesome. Yesterday, I was perusing the internet, and I saw there was another country. I can't remember what country it was um, that did the same thing. Um, and they actually have pythons and, and gazelles, and so obviously it's somewhere much warmer than we are, that use this bridge to go over the highway. And I thought that that was pretty cool, too. I didn't get to see a video. I didn't find a video. but I would really like to see the python going over the bridge. I was my, um, is it chasing the, the, the gazelle? That's my question. Quick question. <coughs> quick answer. Okay. No. Probably not next Tuesday. Have we set up maps 17. in the woods for the animals so that they know that the bridge is there? No, we have directional signs. Oh, okay. Bridge this way. Highway crossing. Can they read it? Of what course. Most animals, animals are much smarter than humans. Have you not figured not that out? Not disputing that. <laughs> you do know that colorblind humans can read, right? No, no, they can't. I don't think colorblind <laughs> has anything to do with reading ability. <laughs> 
Like no. it's the one that brought up colorblind animals. You I understand that. You are correct. Anyway, I thought that that was really super cool. I know, I know it's not the first bridge in the United States because eventually we're actually going to do some stories on one of those. So if we're setting up signs for the animals so that they know that the bridge is there, are we, we also going to be teaching... We have some teachers and hiring these teachers to go out in the woods and teach the animals how to s- read English. No, they're in. There, the signs also have braille too. You know, in case the animal's blind. Like colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Exactly. Just, just so you listeners know, Andrew's trying to get me to call him an asshole, and it's not working yet. Do they do it's braille early. in color? Twice. <laughs> If you like it, they do it twice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, what's happening in your world, Andrew? I'm slacking off. I got to go to work. I know. That's okay. We're still glad you joined us, even if that's only going to be for like half an hour. Yeah. That's okay. Eh. It's I just good like to being here anyway. It's always good to have you. So, Johnny, you want to tell us about your the drink that we're drinking today? Well, today's drink actually uh, goes along with my day. Okay. So, today is National Bartender Day. Oh, oh, okay. Tell us about National Bartender Day. So, National Bartender Day is actually a relatively new day. It was established in 2011, supposedly by a sailor named Jerry Rum. <gasps> is that where Sailor Jerry came from? comes from? There is a Sailor Jerry Rum. I have a feeling that's not where rum comes from. No. Hold on, wait. There's a Sailor Jerry Rum? Yes. Oh, so maybe it's established by the brand, and maybe this isn't a person. Yeah, there is. There's a Sailor Jerry brand of rum. That's probably it. You know, that makes sense. You're much wiser about alcohol than I am, clearly. Yeah, I just tend to drink it. I don't usually do a whole lot of research behind it. Oh, thank God. Okay, <laughs> anyway, tell right, us so about your day. So today is a day to raise a toast to the hardworking men and women who work late nights listening to our sob stories and playing pseudo-psychiatrist. Very cool. You know, um, if they play pseudo-psychiatrist, shouldn't they get pseudo-paid more money? Um, they do. It's called tips. Oh, okay. So, you know, they bring us the tasty, salty snacks that encourage us to order another drink. They pour us a shot, a beer, a c- tasty cocktail, and then they pour us into a cab at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm assuming you haven't drunk all your money up. I'm getting some really bad bartenders because none of them have poured, poured me you into, into a anything? cab. They keep pouring me more shots. They don't pour me into a cab. <laughs> Usually like, all right, time to go home, and they put me in my car. All right. All Doesn't right. seem responsible. Well, these hard ma- hardworking men and women go home smelling like beer. If you've ever worked in a bar, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. With achy feet. So show them your appreciation. Tip them. Take the cab when it's offered. And above all, always be kind to them. I worked in a bar and I was told I smelled like green peppers. You clearly weren't working behind the bar. No. I was working in the fruit and vegetable bar. <laughs> <laughs> it was a juice bar. <laughs> I was a dishwasher. <laughs> oh, natural Jeez. smoothie bars? Can I have a green pepper smoothie, please? <laughs> on the rocks? With a dash of protein powder? Protein powder on the side. Sure. Okay, thanks. All right, so there you go. That's my uh, my national day. <laughs> and to go along with that, today we are drinking Cowboy Cosmos. Ooh, okay. Let's um, 
see see what's going on in this glass. I'm drinking coffee. I could do that. The coffee or the Cosmo? It's yes. It's like it's got a little tiny bit of tart in there. So a cowboy Cosmo is kind of like a cross between a Cosmo and a margarita. I don't know that I've ever had a Cosmo before. Congratulations! Now you're drinking one. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, we might have to have seconds. Done. <laughs> All right. So tell me about your day, Mary. Um, I chose St. Nicholas Day. So Can you explain St. Nicholas, considering there might be people who don't know who he is, if they grew up under a rock? I would love to know which version of St. Nicholas, Nicholas she's going to tell us about, because there St. are a couple. St. Nicholas is Krampus? actually a third century saint. <laughs> of course. Um, so on December 6th, St. Nicholas Day recognizes the third century saint who became an inspiration for the modern day Santa Claus. However... St. Nicholas is actually known for selling off all of his possessions and giving his money to the poor. He was raised a devout Christian, and he dedicated his life to serving the sick and the suffering. Hold on, wait a minute. I think nowadays if you sell off all your possessions and you give your money, it's called a cult. No, there's no Kool-Aid involved. Only if you give it to one person. He gave his money to the poor, not the asshole. Well, I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure the cult leaders claim to be poor, too. I am poor. You guys should give me all your stuff. You want all my stuff? You don't want me to sell it and give you the money, but you want all my stuff. I I want all of your stuff. I'll sell it and get the money. So Bras. Yep. All of it? I'll just wear that. Some. (laughs) 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 Now we need a drink. Hang on. (laughs) On my head, you know, take a. All right. Wouldn't be the first time. I know, right? Some interesting effects that are associated with St. Nicholas are the fact that he is the patron saint of a lot of causes, um, including sailors, travelers, clergy, school children, and thieves, because even thieves need a patron saint. Someone to pray. Please let this robbery go well. Don't let me get shot. Don't let me get maimed. Don't let me get stabbed. Let me make off with a lot of money. He was born in the village of Patar, which is located on the southeastern coast of modern-day Turkey. He is believed to be buried in a tomb in Myra. Um, and then the waters that have formed his grave are believed to have healing powers. They so he's buried in the water? That is what this says. Okay. Uh, the water is called the manna of St. Nicholas. How it is true it is, I'm not really certain. But that is what it says. So if you want to observe St. Nicholas Day, do something nice for somebody. You know, a small gift, a small token. Uh, appreciation, thanks, open a door, leave a small something under someone's front step. Make them a drink, call them a cab. Hey, you're a cab. (laughs) (laughs) And my day, because I didn't look one up today, is uh, I'm just observing Slacker Day. I'm fairly certain it is a thing because I live in America. So um, It goes along with Blase Day. Yeah, it Which probably does. I think you know, it's like week. a sister holiday. Blase so, day. Um, yeah. Blase, slacker day. Um, cheers, guys. <laughs> you can pick up your cups. I'm not going to pick mine up because that sounds like doing something. <laughs> He's drinking out of a straw. <laughs> it's one of those curly ones. <laughs> you know it. We gotta keep. We gotta keep things fun. Gotta Before we started recording, fun. you guys asked if you could have your own. Um. I have a whole matching set of them at home. Eight, to be exact. (laughs) All right, that scares me a little. All right, it scares me more than a little. Why? You never complain when you drink through them. So we should get to the meat of the the the, uh, podcast. 
All right. Tell me something I didn't need to know, big sister. All right. So we had this cowboy drink. We're going to the wild, wild west. Woohoo. All right. So come with me to a cemetery. That is not what I imagine when I think <laughs> of wild, wild west. We're going to go visit a cemetery. I was super hoping for like a sexy cowboy. Oh. Not so I would much. say probably not so much in this story. Darn it. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to go to a cemetery. It's located in Guthrie, Oklahoma. We're there. We come across a rather unusual headstone. The writing on the headstone reads, Elmer McCurdy, shot by a sheriff's posse in Osage Hills on October 7th of 1911. Returned to Guthrie, Oklahoma from Los Angeles County, California for burial on April 22nd, 1977. What? What? <laughs> yeah. I Think about that. I have questions. Okay. I'll okay. just hold on to them. Okay. You Keep hang going. on to your questions. All right. Except for, can I just say, ew. Ew. You can say it. I hope he was properly embalmed. We're going to get there. Oh, God. <laughs> we have all heard of some form of this urban legend. An eerily lifelike, or perhaps a death-like mannequin, of a dead body hanging suspended from a ceiling of an amusement park haunt. But upon closer inspections, this particular prop that drew screams and snickers from scores of children turned out to be just a little bit too real. I think I saw this in an episode of Bones. I don't know. I've never seen Bones. Oh, you're missing it. <coughs> For what they were dealing with was no average piece of horror. It was more like a dead ringer. It was the genuine article a long dead leathery corpse fortunately for us this macabre myth is a hundred percent true if it wasn't we wouldn't be having this conversation today we would be talking about something totally different the body in question was discovered by an unsuspecting television crew and its violent and its uncanny past were revealed after unearthing the bizarre contents that were found inside his mouth I was really hoping you were going to say pockets. <laughs> no, no. That's your fifth pocket. <laughs> cha-ching, cha-ching. I don't typically keep things in that pocket. Just All right. So it's two weeks before the Christmas of 1976. Oh, and I was just born. And the cast and the crew of the Six Million Dollar Man, which I'm sure you've heard of. I have. An iconic television series of the 70s about an everyday astronaut turned crime-fighting android. They were filming on location in Queens Park, Long Beach, California. While producing an episode for the fourth season, the episode was called Carnival of Spies. Therefore, that's why we're at the amusement park. The crew were filming a scene with an evil German spy who was at odds with the bionic superhero inside of an existing funhouse. And scattered throughout the funhouse were assorted automatic set pieces triggered to deliver pop-up scares. In between scenes, the art director attempted to stage an emaciated-looking dummy who was spray-painted with glow-in-the-dark orange, and he was adorned with a hangman's noose. Oh, dear God. <laughs> For four years, this antique had been hanging from the gallows, relegated to the back corner. Where did they get it? That's a really good question. I think we should explore that. Because that's not the kind of thing you just run to your local Walmart and buy. <laughs> I would like an emaciated-looking dummy with a hangman's nose. <laughs> as realistic as possible, please. 
So for four years, it was in the funhouse swinging back and forth, back and forth. As they went to move it, there was a dry snap. Unlike the $6 million man, they did not really have the technology to rebuild him. I wonder why. So the dummy's brittle wax arm was separated from its wax body. Except for that the body and the arm weren't actually wax. How do you know that's the exact same sentence? That's the exact next sentence. My exact next sentence says, except the uh, wax arm wasn't made of wax. (laughs) Oh, dear God. (laughs) I'm definitely going to need another drink before this is over. Yeah, yeah, you will. (laughs) The hapless crew members discovered this when they discovered, when they noticed, that in the center of the accidentally amputated appendage was a human bone surrounded by muscle tissue. Now, remember, at this point in time, it's been 66 years since the dude died. So he just they don't like know that. Jerky. They don't know that. They don't know any of his history. Okay. I think the and first thing good. is looking at it. Okay. Second thing would be second I would thing was it. probably snipping it. You would snip it. it. And snip for it. those of us who are a little morbid and weird, trying licking it might be the third. Well, you know that human bone sticks to the tongue. I, I didn't. I've never tried licking human bone. Yeah, yeah. Human bone will stick to the tongue. I don't. Part of me really wants to know how she knows that. Part of me is like, we're just a little gonna, too scared. We're going to skip over ask. that subject. Yeah. So, uh, moving what on. happens next? Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to move on. Uh, okay, so they obviously horrorized, if that's a real word, horrorized, realized that the oversized piece of beef jerky <laughs> they were handling was actually the desiccated remains of an actual human being. Production. Stop. Stop. Cut. Oh, so halt. Everything comes to a When you halt. find dead people, you stop working? Huh. Yeah. News. Well, I would just like to say that in my line of work, if I came across a dead body, I'm doing something wrong. If I come across a dead body, I expect a damn good tip. All right. All right. Yeah. So the next step. What's <laughs> the next step when you find a dead body, Hannah? What do you do? Depends when you on who I am. If I'm Andrew, I'm eating the pizza. That's a good point. Okay. Depends on what's on the pizza. How about we pretend you're Hannah? What do you do? Well, in my current line of work, I'm probably calling the police. Good point. And you probably should call the fire department. That usually happens when you call 911. You get the police and the okay. fire department at the same time. The police and the firefighters contacted the paramedics. Why, you say? Why did they contact paramedics? Well, just in case because you can be resuscitated. Because reported a severe case of dehydration. <laughs> severe. <laughs> did they try giving him water? Did they try mouth to mouth? <laughs> His arm fell off. Did they try licking it? <laughs> I'm not going to drop this. All right. So the paramedics. There's moisture on the tongue. I'm just saying. <laughs> the paramedics arrived, and upon seeing just how severe this case of dehydration was, <laughs> laughed. So all they could do was laugh. The petrified body was then taken to the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office, where it was determined that the cause of death was from a turn of the century which means early 1900s bullet jacket lodged in its chest. He was shot in the chest, and he died. But the bullet was from the early 1900s. It's possible somebody just kept the antique gun and used it recently. I mean... No, if he's beef jerky, this definitely didn't happen It means beef jerky. (laughs) This is not recent. You know, there's nothing saying it had to be 50 years ago, though. You're right. You're right. You are right. Definitely. Definitely right. You are absolutely right. At one point in time, an able-bodied man, the mummy had now withered away to nearly a skeleton, shriveled down to a height of five foot three and a paltry 50 pounds. So not much left. No, no, not so much. 
The body has sustained significant wear and tear, including wind damage, resulting in the loss of several fingers, toes, and most of both ears. We'll get to the reason for that why later. I'm glad you said that because I had questions. Ask yeah. him anyway. Although it did still maintain some hair. So he lost the tips of his ears, fingers, and toes, but he still had his hair. Some of it. Yes, he did. That is a good I don't genetic know. hairline I know. to pass I wonder down. if he, like, had comb over. <laughs> I will refrain from sharing the thought that just All popped right. into my head. So to accommodate the noose, remember he had a noose? It wasn't really around his neck. Oh. It was through his neck. They had drilled a hole through his neck, and through his neck seeped an unseemly yellow goo. Don't lick it, Andrew. <laughs> Don't lick it. Well, I can't now, but <laughs> at the time I might I'm pretty have. sure that I would not lick yellow goo coming from anything. Personally, I don't think I would right now. I do want to know, was it artificial banana flavor? I didn't try licking it, but that would have been, see, That's exactly where my it. mind goes. You sniff it. That's no, because it can smell horrid, but still taste good. Questions that will never be answered. But I think artificial banana smells horrid, so if I sniffed it and it smelled like that, I'd be like, oh, no, oh, no. See, and I no. love artificial banana, but like I can't stand the smell of vinegar, and my... Wife says that vinegar cucumbers are delicious, so I assume you will never drink kombucha either. Probably not. I don't even know what that sound or what that is, but it sounds interesting. It's fermented uh, tea. It is fermented tea. It's vinegary. Yeah. <laughs> I think Massagilla has a patent on it. <laughs> they even exist anymore. Back to our story. <laughs> All right. Keep going. Keep going. Initially, the only set of clues to figuring out the life of this obviously far deceased man were recovered from inside his mouth. Nothing about this deceased man is obvious, okay? As far as we know, he's just... He's dead. He's obviously dead. And now he's got one arm. Yeah, but <laughs> when you're dead, you're not... I mean, I've never gone to a funeral home and seen a body leaking yellow goo. Nor have I. There you go. That doesn't make it obvious. I Appreciate am, however, that. happy to stuff your dead body full of unpopped popcorn. Before you get cremated. That would Can be, it be awesome. hot cocoa? Can it be hot cocoa flavored popcorn? No. I don't think you're going to smell it. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about you guys. We're not going to be there. They don't let you in when they cremate a body, Mary. Although if, Have if you, you asked? if you go with cinnamon like incense inside your body Then uh, the wisps of smoke. Then yeah, when when, when you come out of the crematorium, you will smell awesome. <laughs> I'm going to have to suggest this because I work next to a crematorium. I think you should go over and ask some questions. And the, f and the yeah, smells that emit from... Yeah, I think you should do some research on that. The smells that come out of there occasionally are, are a little bit unpleasant. Yeah. And I'm thinking popcorn, buttered popcorn would be good. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how we got so far off course. Yes, you do. It's us. All right. They're figuring out who this man is. Remember, there's clues inside his mouth. Mm. Not mm. his pockets, his mouth. Wait, before we get back to the story, I have another question. Okay. My question is, are we sure that the hole in his neck was post-mortem? Yes. How? Because that's what the story said. Because okay. before okay, the news, he did not have a hole in his neck. I will tell you how the hole got there later. Okay. Because, you know, media never lies. No. no. I found this it's kind of like the, the internet. internet yeah, I found, I found this story on the internet. It's all factual. It's all true. Did you know that the internet was created by Bill Gates? I made very little of this up, okay? No, it wasn't. No? No. no. Your Who grandfather. My grandfather? Yeah. 
created would, the internet. Yeah, yeah, that would be my great grandfather. No, no, it would not be your great. No, that would be your dad. <laughs> Good Lord, Mary. I know that. No, no, I don't think you did. All right, <laughs> all right. Get back to the dead dude, people. We have a dead dude lying there. Well, technically, we Waiting. are on subject because Grandpa is dead. Waiting Shh, for us to figure out oh. who he is and okay, why I he died and how he died. The okay. dead dude. Clues. Which dead dude? The dude in the story or Grandpa? Oh, wait. Yeah, you don't know he's dead. Never mind. The dude in the story. Okay. His clues in his mouth. What they pulled out of his mouth were tickets to the Museum of Crime. Denial. And they also pulled out a penny that was dated of 1924. And with that, the secret behind this mummy's mysterious saga, his antemortem career, and his postmortem life finally began to unravel. I want to know, what kind of condition was that penny in? Was it worth anything more than a penny by that point? Well, she said it was 1924. 1924 yeah, at that time? I don't know. What, what year did this all In the happen? 70s. In the 70s? 77. De- December of 76. Okay, so that's like yeah. a 52-year-old penny. I, it, it might be worth something. Besides a penny. Okay. Besides a penny, yeah. Yeah, that's all why right. I want to know. What condition was it in? What condition were the tickets in? Obviously, they could still read them. What were the, what were the tickets for? Uh, Museum of Crime. Yeah. Oh. Tickets? Two tickets to the Museum of Crime. There were two tickets. Two tickets to the Museum of Crime. Okay. I told you, I'm only making up a little bit of this shit as we go along. Oh, okay. One of them was for the whoever discovered the body. The other one was for the body. Oh, uh, Yes, because even dead people have to pay. Oh, absolutely. Fees. I'm sorry, but if you're bringing a dead guy into my museum, Some yeah, crime. you better be paying to get in. All right. I mean, dead people don't get to fly for free. No. You got to buy an airplane ticket. You got to buy a museum ticket. There you go. See? Makes perfect sense. Onward. All right. <laughs> More pictures survive of Elmer McCurdy in death than those that were ever captured in his life while he was living. Well, I mean, to be fair, photography was much more prevalent when he was found than when he was alive. That is true. Question. Did you find pictures of the guy's dead body? Yes, I actually did. Can you post them on our, on your well, Facebook at the v- page? Yeah, I was going to say, at the very least, could you post them on the Facebook page? We can try that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least I'll links get to them. I I'll get my editor on that. They're they're not really pretty. I, I wouldn't care. get your editor okay. on anything. He sounds like a busy jerk right now. No, he's slacker. Oh, oh yeah, slacking. Thank you. If he was busy, he'd be bringing us a pizza. I hate The you only both. existing <laughs> photograph that was taken during Elmer McCurdy's life that they could dis- could find was a grainy mugshot that depicted his front and side profile with unkempt hair and beady eyes, which is usually. Have you ever gotten a mugshot? Personally? Personally? <laughs> have we ever taken a mugshot? Is that what you're asking? Have you ever been the subject of yes. a mugshot? Yes. No. Okay. They None of them look good. And a side. And no, they don't let go. Here, here's a cosmetic thing. Smile. Here's a comb. Powder your, powder your face and comb your hair because we're going to take your picture. No, they don't do that. No, not typically. No. So, they yeah, say, hey, I'm just saying. Slap this orange jumpsuit on. No. Try to wipe off the ink off your fingerprints and uh, turn this way and turn that way and boom, you're done. I don't yeah. think they even do that much. I think they just like, okay, sit there, now turn right. Okay. It's either that or, you know, the police at the Muskegon County Jail are always observing Slacker Day. Well, we won't go there. <laughs> I, I have no experience to reference, sorry. No. She, that's why she's so quiet. I know, so right? Elmer McCurdy. Elmer McCurdy was born on New Year's Day in 1880. He experienced a turbulent childhood, you know, the kind of childhood that you hear about on Mori, Mor- Mori Povich and Dr. Phil. I have to watch those shows. 
I don't either. I yeah, no. I don't even have cable. I find yeah. it all stupid. So he was the son of 17-year-old Sadie McCurdy, who was unmarried at the time that he was born. The identity of his father's of McCurdy's father is unknown, but one you very said fathers. I know. I was did he have two fathers? Th- three fathers? How many fathers did he have? One. He had one. Well, then, th- why are you using plurality for verbalage? One? It's my verbalage slipping Verbal again. shorthand. Have another drink, Mary. Maybe yeah, it'll it help. sounds <laughs> like. Yeah, it sounds like that'll help. So Sadie was unmarried in. One possibility is that her cousin, Charles Smith, was the father of her child. In order to save Sadie the embarrassment and shame of raising an illegitimate child, her brother George and his wife adopted Elmer, which was pretty nice. And drilled a hole through his neck. No, no, the okay. hole did not appear. I'm just... Not, not yet, not yet, not yet. Inquiring minds want to know. Okay. Jump the gun, if you will. After George died of ter- tuberculosis in 1890, Sadie and Helen moved with Elmer to Bangor, Maine. Sadie eventually told her son that she, not Helen, was his mother, and she was unsure of who his father really was. The news disturbed McCurdy, who became resentful. He became unruly, and he was rebellious. How old was he when she told him this? Ten. Don't don't get into the psychological parts. We're not a psychological show. We're not diagnosing nor trying to fix people. We're just giving information that nobody really needs to know. I feel like any psychologist who listened to our show would say that we need help. Send us free samples. How how would one go about f- sending us free samples of in the mail psychology medications in the mail uh, medications okay in the mail okay come see me at work I'll give them to you we take free samples from everybody you work in a health hut I'm good all right <laughs> I can hook you up <laughs> <laughs> now you just sound like a drug dealer. <laughs> You know what I do for a living? Yes. I sell magic pills to people. I know. Are any of them called Puff the Magic Dragon? <laughs> no, they're called Snort. Oh, okay. Snort. I really want that. Tim Conway did that. Snort. Your sister Lynn does that too. I know. I love her. I know. Her snort voice is amazing. I know. I cannot wait for her to co-host. I'm just saying. Oh, you know she I will. can't wait for her to hear you this. You know what? I can't she wait till Zoom. The, the Kreml she family will co-host Zoom with me. I cannot wait for the Kreml family Christmas because I will just record the whole damn thing and then post that as it's a podcast. It's going to be really boring because we're not doing one because of COVID. That's Eventually. stupid. I hate people. No. We will no. have one when it's safe. We are safe. So getting I back to safe. Elmer. Okay. Remember the dead guy who's now a teenager? Oh, yeah. We were talking Elmer about Fudd, someone. Elmer Fudd, right? No. That was uh, another episode. That was a whole nother episode. Um, as a teenager, Elmer began drinking heavily, which was a habit that he would continue throughout his entire life. Speaking of which, have a drink. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh. No, well, we're <laughs> drinking unless you want your equipment ruined. <laughs> <laughs> Elmer eventually returned to Maine to live with his grandfather, and he did become an apprentice plumber. He was reportedly a very competent worker, and he did live comfortably until the economic downturn in 1898. Downturn. Down, downturn. Oh, reverse of an upturn. That's a really not. It's not good. That is n- a terrible explanation. I know, but let me try that one again. What is the <laughs> what is a downturn? It's a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that town where you know instead of swearing, they say things like "durn it." And Gosh darn it. Son of a biscuit eater. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's Durn a darn town. town. See, good explanation. Okay. Sorry I failed you. No, you're not. So that, that was, he was about 18 at that point in time. When um, the economic downturn happened, oh, McCurdy thank you lost that. his job. Oh, that's 
two years later, his mother died of a ruptured ulcer. Which and his, mother? His real one, Sadie. And his we five. just had to clarify there. And his grandfather died of Bright's disease, which is a type of kidney disease. They called it Bright's disease then. His grandfather actually died the month after his mother died. So the poor guy went through. I mean, he went through some emotional shit there. He did. I just want to point out, my son just licked a piece of paper. He's a paper licker. I, I like him. I can't tell whether or not I am proud or disturbed. Yes, you are. Okay. So Onward. Sh- shortly after his <laughs> grandfather Maybe you died. Maybe consider feeding him once in a while. Oh, no. No, I won't do that. They grow, and then you have to buy, like, new clothes and shoes and stuff. Don't yeah, feed I'm him. not feeding or don't watering him. him. Don't water him. Don't feed him. Especially after midnight. And then he'll look like Elmer. Uh... <laughs> All right, so after his grandfather died, McCurdy left Maine, and he began drifting around the eastern United States, where he worked as a lead miner and a plumber. At that point in time, he was unable to hold a job for any period of time due to his severe alcoholism. I actually, I have a legitimate question here. Okay. What is a lead miner? A person who mines lead. He mines lead. I it's wasn't sure. Really I mean, that bad. really, like, it's it seemed obvious, but I wasn't probably sure. probably really a bad thing nowadays. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it does terrible things to you, your body. Oh, no, lead's good for you. You should lick it. I do every morning. That explains, that explains so, so much. much. High five. Wow. Feeling like so the odd man out. Elmer eventually made his way to you Kansas, where he out. worked at a f- as a plumber uh. in Cherryvale. He then moved to Iola where in 1905 he was arrested for public intoxication. He relocated to Webb City, Missouri. At this point in time, his family was all estranged or dead. Hold on. We have to say goodbye to Andrew. Okay, everyone say goodbye to Andrew. Goodbye, Andrew. Bye, Andrew. Bye, Andrew. Goodbye, everybody. He's going to go earn a living because I'm not paying him for this. No, I'm not. Back to the story. At this point in time, his family was either estranged or everyone was dead, and Elmer became a drifter. He then undertook... A revolving door of odd jobs that had a habit of getting botched due to his chronic alcoholism. All right, so McCurdy wandered around and in 1907 decided to join the United States Army, which should be a very good thing. Give you some direction. Give you a purpose in life. Sure. He was assigned to Fort Leavenworth. He was a machine gun operator, and he was also trained to use nitroglycerin for demolition purposes. I see. Absolutely nothing going wrong with this decision. (laughs) Probably not. He was honorably discharged after four years in 1911, and after that proved himself very incapable of earning an honest living. So McCurdy joined a gang of crooks and committed a string of poorly executed bank and railroad robberies across the Great Plains of the Midwest. Sounds like he might have been better off staying in the Army. Probably. Literally. Every single one of his recorded safe-cracking endeavors ended in total, well, that really didn't go as planned. I feel like you and I have said that more than (laughs) once. (laughs) We have, but, you know, we (laughs) haven't gone to the extremes that he went with. I don't believe any of ours have um, resulted in us breaking the law. Here's some examples. He had an arrest for public intoxication, which obviously wasn't his first, probably not his last, but he also was arrested for possession of burglary implements he happened to get off of this particular charge by claiming that the tools were needed to invent a foot operated machine oh okay yeah real bright all right moving on let's go let's go rob a train oh good lord whatever could go wrong because we have knowledge in using nitroglycerin what could go wrong with this so during this train heist he overestimated how much nitroglycerin he needed to use so he destroyed the safe that he believed was holding $4,000. When he blew up the safe, he literally 
freaking blew up the safe and everything in it. And the only thing he got Bye-bye, $4,000. He got $450 worth of melted silver. That's all he ended up with. To be fair, $450 was a lot of money back then. Yes. Yes, it was. But you consider back then 4000 Yeah. Yeah, well, also, good luck explaining why you have this giant blob of melted silver. <laughs> so, really, I'd like to turn this in, please. Now we're going to rob a bank. Oh, dear God. What could go wrong, you say? Let me tell you what could go wrong. I think I've read about some of these. He was unable to ignite the fuse to open the bank's vault. And Did after he forget his lighter? No. I don't know why he couldn't light it or ignite it. His lookout man got scared. His lookout man ran off. Did his lookout man twist his ankle on the way? No. Elmer McCurdy scrambled around, and all he got out of this bank robbery was $150 in coins. That's all a right. lot of weight. All right. It's kind of what I thought, too. That's a lot of coinage. But their coins were different then. I mean, in the value of it, I don't know. It just sounds like a lot of weight to me, yes, too. Yes, it does. So... For a while, he hid in a farmer's hay shed, and then he resurfaced to commit the heist of the century. This was going to make him famous. This Who, was who's, going to whose words was that? were that? The heist of the century. <laughs> Who determined that this was going to be the heist this of the century? was going to enable him to never have to work again. Because at this point, I feel like, based on the fact that, he, uh, that his previous endeavors haven't turned out so well, that... Nobody who knew him was going to call this the heist of the century, except for perhaps himself. Anyway, he was going to rob a train that was carrying $400,000. I mean, what, what? She's holding her head, guys. She's holding her head. She's rubbing, rubbing her forehead. Her forehead. <laughs> McCurdy robbed the wrong train. Jesus. <laughs> he, made, he made off with $46, two jugs of whiskey, a coat, and the conductor's watch, and this robbery was dubbed the smallest in the history of train robberies. <laughs> well, at least he didn't go away empty-handed. That is true. I mean, two jugs of whiskey, that can take you far, make you friends. Really depends on who you are. With you and I, two jugs of whiskey could get us all the way to California. Holy crap, yeah. McCurdy's newfound frontier identity, it just it wasn't really working out for him. He, uh, so while he was hiding out after his last rail train heist, they put out a $2,000 bounty on his head. Which is more than he's acquired from all of his amazing yes. endeavors. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to make matters worse, his ability as a gunman was only comparable to his prowess as a thief. <laughs> so, on October 7th of 1911, abandoned by his bandit gang with his stolen whiskey in hand, McCurdy was tracked to a hay shed by three sheriffs and a pack of bloodhounds. He then opened fire. An hour-long gunfight ensued, and when the smoke cleared, McCurdy was down in the dirt dead as a doornail oh bummer so he should just be dead he should be embalmed he should be buried and that should be the end of our story yeah yeah it should so elmer mccurdy was a lousy crook lousy gunman which begs the question how did this amazing putz achieve enough notoriety to make the history books he did this by virtue of the incredibly bizarre old west fad of putting dead bodies up for show so like he joined the circus? <laughs> God. I think that was one of his many stops. Oh God. <laughs> I think I need another drink. <laughs> so dating back to the Civil War, when you owned a funeral home, you also did your own embalming. I think they still do. Yeah, but I'm just saying, way back then, that's what they did. If nobody claimed the body and nobody came to pay for it, you put it on display. <clears throat> 
you did this for two reasons. One, to help with identification purposes, and one, promote your business. <laughs> Look what a wonderful job I do in embalming him. He's been embalmed for six months, and he doesn't even smell yet. Amazing. I did a good job. So, when nobody claimed McCurdy's body, the funeral director, Joseph Johnson, was determined to be compensated for his work. Did the work. As he should have been. I need to be paid. So, the remnants of Elmer McCurdy were embalmed with an arsenic-laced ultra-preservative that allowed the body to last in a strikingly lifelike condition indefinitely. Arsenic. We Poison of champions. <laughs> Probably a good thing he was dead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, in he'd case he wasn't already dead, he'd have died from we the will embalming. make sure he is dead now. He would have died from the embalming. This was actually the norm at the time for the unclaimed dead, which left the preservative, the preserved body waiting for its next of kin. Johnson decided that the most reasonable of all available options that he had was to repurpose McCurdy as scenery for his funeral parlor. Oh like, Lord. So he stood him up in the corner, put a gun on his side, like a little holster and a gun, and propped him up like a ficus tree for five years. I'd have propped him in a chair by the front door with a sign in his hand that said, thanks for coming. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> exactly. Welcome. Those who enter don't always leave. <laughs> Pay your bill or you'll end up like me. He was posthumously billed as the bandit who wouldn't give up. So Johnson charged visitors five cents to see the dead man up close. Even worse, visitors paid their fare by inserting their coins into his no. mouth. <laughs> <Yes>. No. No. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Okay. Imagine weekend at Bernie's. Okay. I've never We're going seen it. there. I've never You've seen it. You've heard of it. I have heard of it. I've never We're seen it. We're going there. I don't know anything about We're it. We're going there. All right. Though hardly the first, though hardly the first funerary practice that saw objects placed in the mouth of the deceased, feeding McCurdy changed like a coin-op arcade was certainly the tackiest, but this was not the only escapade his body was involved in during his residency at the Johnson Funeral Home. I don't know if I can hear anymore. <laughs> Listen, if it involves removing clothing, I don't nope. want to know about nope. it. Nope. The Undertaker's children. No. <laughs> took poor Bernie, put roller skates on him, and rolled him through the funeral house. I thought you were going to say they took him to school for show and tell. No. <laughs> Gives a new meaning to dead man walking. <laughs> You're just missing the hat and the sunglasses. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, McCurdy was proving to be quite the sensation, obviously. Word traveled fast that Johnson was in possession of an attraction that was drawing huge crowds at the box office, which if this was the normal thing for funeral home directors to do, I'm not sure why McCurdy was drawing such attention if they did this with unclaimed bodies, because uh, I don't know. I mean, for some reason... Also, how boring is your life that this is the attraction you're willing to pay money to see? Buy your children a toy. <laughs> Dead bodies. Jump rope. Jump rope. Th they'll be Chinese checkers. Hula hoop. I mean, the kids Jacks. already had roller skates. <laughs> Dead bodies are not toys. <laughs> uh, so carnival promoters from all over the country offered to buy McCurdy from Johnson. They made a lot of offers, but Johnson said... His human taxidermy was not for sale. Why didn't he just put him up for auction, highest bidder? I mean, imagine the money he could have made. That's a really good question. So after five years, Paramen visited the mortician, claiming to be Elvin McCurdy's long-lost brothers. Oh, God. I and they see. were there to give their kin a proper burial. 
They, they wanted to take him home with them, right? They paid Johnson for his work, and they took Elmer to his homeland, where he was finally laid to rest. The end. Not. Have a good day. Not. See you next week. Not. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> but if but imagine you're surprised when you take your children to the circus, and there is Elmer. <laughs> <laughs> but if that's actually what happened, the story would be over. And you'd be going, what in the hell was that all about? So we'll just continue. <laughs> oh, Lord. Listen, I have to say at this point, I'm actually starting to feel a little bad for Elmer. I know. I know he wasn't a good man. He made a lot of very poor life. However. He sucked as a crook. He should have just gotten a real job. Right. You said he was a competent plumber. plumber. He should have gotten a real job, made an honest living, and been miserable. Like 90% of the humans on Earth. Yeah. Right. Yes. I am legitimately starting to feel bad for this man. Yes. Okay, not for the man, for his dead body. Elmer's brothers were actually Charles and James Patterson. They were a pair of carnies who uh, faked their bereavement so they could capture McCurdy's carcass and take the sideshow on the road for the next 60 years. Oh, my God. 60 years. They kept Elmer for 60 years. And all my brain wants to know at this point is, so how did he end up? With the noose through his neck hanging. <laughs> we haven't gotten it yet. I, I'm aware. <clears throat> I am so aware of that. Cheaply made dime novel melodramas, which were the precursor to Pulp Fiction magazines. Right. At that point in time, we're sensationalizing the myth of the American West. The heroes, the villains of these tall tales were the stereotypical silent, noble frontiersmen. The cowboys who doggedly pursued the law-breaking, mustache-twiddling, tie-a-damsel on the railroad track, scoundrels in the name of frontier. Just take advantage of that. Given a an entertainment venture that immersed itself in all things lurid, what would be better? Top billing than a bona fide cowboy corpse, or at least a cowboy-clad cadaver. McCurdy found himself suddenly thrust into a sea of tents, fried food, cotton candy, Rig games, screaming children on clunky elephant rides. Elephant ears. Oh, yeah. Mm. The best. The elephant best. ears are good. I can't eat them anymore, but mm. yeah. the memory. I never like cotton candy, though. No. Ugh. Cotton candy's gross. He was dubbed as the bandit who wouldn't give up. He was known as the outlaw who would never be captured alive. The embalmed bandit. The famous Oklahoma outlaw. The mystery man of many aliases. And finally, they called him the thousand-year-old man. I'm sure by the time he'd gotten to that, he uh, probably looked like he was a thousand years old. So, demand grew as McCurdy was swept across the country, further harmonizing his status as a drifter in both life and death. After he was done headlining at one of the traveling troops of the Great Patterson Carnival Show, <coughs> although he did work alongside such characters as the Strong Man, the Alligator Girl, and the Torture King, McCurdy became part of the Traveling Museum of Crime in 1922. Oh, hence the uh, tickets in his mouth. Yes. All right. Okay. So the Because apparently even if you work there, you still need a ticket. Yeah. So Zamora the Torture King is actually the stage name of a man named Tim Cridland. He was an American sideshow performer. He performed painful feats. I don't, I don't even know how this is. I, I don't even know. This is what he called entertainment. Fire eating, sword swallowing, body skewering, and electric shock. Alrighty, so after um, McCurdy had become part of the Museum of Crime that was a traveling show, he joined a sideshow that was accompanying the 1928 
Trans-American Foot Race. And I didn't find the name for that. So over the years, McCurdy would be pawned off from gig to gig. And each time, both the body of him and the memory of who he actually was further decayed. At that time, too, so did the sideshow scene. Growing increasingly less lucrative as an exhibit, Elmer McCurdy answered the inevitable call, Hollywood. He was acquired as promotional material for the 1933 drug exploitation film Narcotic. McCurdy was actually displayed in the lobby of movie theaters as an attraction grabber and a warning. Now he was mummified and he was beginning to shrink. His physical condition was credited as the result of being a morally bankrupt dope fiend. Dear Lord. That's, you know, your egg, your brain on drugs thing. Yeah, yeah. McCurdy was periodically lent out, including to a traveling sideshow near Mount Rushmore, where he sustained extensive wind damage, which is where he lost his ears and stuff, presumably from being transported on top of a truck like a Christmas tree. He was also a prop in the 1967 schlocky carnival-themed horror film She Freak, I don't think I want to find any of these and actually see them. No. I think I could pass. The following year, he was sold to the Hollywood Max Wax Museum, who then elected not to exhibit him due to the grotesque, rapidly deteriorating condition of his body. Oh, gee, you think? I think. So it was around this time that McCurdy, who has seen far better days, was kind of forgotten to have been a person at all. Now he was simply an artifact. Within a few years, he made his way to the Queen's Park Laugh in the Dark Fun House, where he waited for a television crew to find him. Hold on, wait, wait. What year did he end up there? Um, they found him in 76. He was a prop for the funeral, for the horror film in 67. Okay. In 68, he was sold to the Wax Museum. So he wasn't in the... He was at the Fun House for, I believe, five or six years. Which is horrifying, but at least he wasn't there for like 20 years. But Can you imagine had the had they not accidentally broken his body? Yeah, that's how he got the hole in his neck. Was when the funhouse got him, and then they hung him up. They put a hole through his neck to accommodate the noose that they put around him. Although nooses go around the neck, not through the neck. Yes, but that's just how they did it. All right. I still want to know where the yellow foam came from. The yellow goo? The yellow goo. I think it was part of the embalming process, whatever liquid it left in his body. You would think, though, after that many years, that it would just just be completely dried up. Yeah. Um, It's hard to say because, as as they mentioned earlier, the arsenic laced embalming fluid that they use really preserved their bodies. And because we don't use it anymore, it's hard to say what the end results would have been like. Yeah, it's a little horrifying. So Glad I didn't want dinner tonight anyway. <laughs> I'm on a diet. While this is an admittedly enthralling story for all its pe- peculiar, peculiar weirdness. Weirdness. We're going with weirdness. Peculiarities? Weirdness. 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 All right. It is very easy to lose sight of the fact that McCurdy was more than a profitable sideshow exhibit or a historical oddity. This particular prop was the vessel of a troubled soul who, like all of us, once had hopes and dreams and the capacity to love and be loved. He was actually a human being. So after his discovery and his subsequent identification, this particular infamous lawbreaker was finally laid to rest in the spring of 1977. He was interred in Guthrie, Oklahoma, in the cemetery, the cemetery that we started at. Right. His laying to rest was attended by over 3, 
hundred people. Wow. That's kind of what I thought. And he didn't even know that many people when he was alive. Right. There laid next to the actual Wild West outlaw, Bill Doolin. His grave was covered with several feet of concrete to prevent any further unauthorized exhumations or desecration. And there he remains still enjoying a well-earned rest and presumably at least the last. He is now retired from show business and his tale ends where it always belonged in the crypt. And that is the story of Alma McCurdy. A man who made more money dead than he ever did alive. <laughs> oh, Jesus, yes, he did. Yeah, definitely. Much How's more. That is a fascinating and absolutely uh, just heart-wrenching kind of tale. Heart-wrenching is good. I mean, because I wouldn't call it appalling because that's the way they did things. Yeah, they didn't and know while, better. And it was while, just a weird thing that they did back then. While we can look at it now and say that's horrible, that's just the way they did things then, and it wasn't horrible to them. It's just the way life was. Right. But he was a human being, and everybody seemed to have forgotten that he was a person. There was a soul inside that body once. Now, you imagine that as time went on and he became more and more mummified, shrank more, and, and you know, it's... You, t- you forget even more because you don't even know his original beginnings. Right. You don't know who he was. You don't know where he started. Now he just looks like a, a mummy, for lack of any better way of putting it, dressed in whatever clothes of whatever era they yeah. currently have. Did they change his clothes as he went along? I, I would imagine that they did. I did not find any information on that, though. Like, I did not find... But you know, Any I mean, information at this on what point, they found him in? I did not, I don't know right. what they found him in. At this point, you know, like, as they're passing him along, he literally has just become... An artifact. An artifact, an attraction. An artifact, an attraction, a sightseeing, let's go see the bearded lady and the mummified man. Yes. Yeah. He was a person. Yeah. And I'm... And unlike the the mermaid that was really like half monkey, half fish, and was not even a real thing, he was a real, honest. He was to God. Yes, makes my heart happy yeah. that that many people were there to see him laid to rest. Yeah, it does. It makes my it heart is, happy. It is a sad story, from it's the aspect of I mean, from the time he was conceived until the time he died, his life was just. Yeah. A sad tale of bad choice. Very bad choices. <laughs> Not well thought out choice. Elmer, you could have done better. <laughs> well, the, the adults in his life could have made better choices before he ever yes. got to adulthood. Yes. And you think about it, when he died, he was only 31 years old. Yeah. He never Not really old lived man. a life. Not an old man by any, any means. I think about where I was at 31. Dear Lord, it seems like a lifetime ago. I mean, he joined he joined the army in 1907. He spent four years in the army, which means he got out in 1911, and he died in October 1911. So yeah. he died months after he left the army. But between leaving the army and the time he died, he made a series of really three, <laughs> three stooges <laughs> type of choices. Yes, yes he did. So that is our story of Almer McCurdy. All right. I'd never heard of him prior to today, so thanks for sharing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Never going to look at a mummy the same way again. No. No, you won't. So we appreciate everybody that um, stopped by and spent some time with us, listened to our story. We appreciate Johanna for co-hosting with us. It was so nice to have you here and have your input. Well, thanks for inviting me. I've had a lot of fun today. Absolutely. 
I hope people enjoyed the story today. Um, I love it when you give me your ideas and your suggestions. I've had some amazing ideas and suggestions come from you guys. And throw them my way. Absolutely. Bring them, bring them on. Send me more. The other thing is, I think that there is, I think there's a lot of sadness in this world right now. And I think that there is a lot of things that can bring us down and make us sad and depressed. So if you have stories about people in your hometown that go out of their way to do something for someone else with no expectations of anything in return, send me those stories. You know someone that does for others because they just have goodness in their heart. Send me those stories. I want to hear them. I want to share them. I want to spread a little bit of, of happiness, of goodness to combat some of the sadness that's going around in this world because there's so much right now and our hearts do break for all of the families that are dealing with the sadness and the empty chairs are on their tables. So send us those stories on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know or direct email us at TMSIDNTK, which are the initials for the, for the show, at gmail.com. And you can also find us at Twitter at TMSIDNTK. Like I said, any suggestions, ideas, comments, very, very welcome. We our, our podcast is co-hosted or is sponsored by Anchor. So you can find us on Anchor. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Breaker and Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. And normally, Andrew would be here for the sign-off. He is not here. He did have to go to work. He does all of our editing. He's very, very good at it. So our final thought till next time is, Mary. Yes, Hannah. Try a little harder not to roll your eyes out loud. Oh, Jesus. That hurts a lot. <laughs> <laughs> till next week, guys. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.